Welcome to the Dogs Are the Best Friends podcast. I'm Emily, and my best buddy, Flynn, is here too. The purpose of this podcast is to bring you some dog stories and a few tips along the way to help you and your best friend communicate. Hello, my fellow crazy for the canine friends. Welcome to another episode of Dogs Are the Best Friends. I have a great episode today, which actually, I always feel that way, don't I? But I do. I get to share dog stories. How how blessed am I? This is amazing. Shannon Pinkston is here today. She is a super sweet, funny, sincere, genuine person. Also, just a heads up, this week starts the Wednesday episodes. So this Wednesday, have a listen to ideas that will help you keep your dog busy. It's the focus of helping you while you're working from home. But if you are busy on the weekend or whenever your days off are, this will help you keep your dog busy as well because sometimes they want our attention 24-7. Wednesday, I will be sharing a bunch of things that you can do all the way from training to games and all sorts of different ideas. Here are Shannon's dog stories and be sure to listen to the very end where she shares an important tip about bloat. Shannon, I am so happy that you're here today. You are going to share about your dog, and I actually learned about your dog on your own podcast. Tell us about you and your dog, because you have such an interesting journey. And then also, before all of that, give us a little background about him and his breed and things, too, if you don't mind. I absolutely will. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, by the way. I'm excited. Well, um, he's laying right here at my feet. His name uh-huh. is Dylan, and he is a golden retriever mix. I call him a dinky golden because he's sort of pocket size. He's about <laughs> 46 pounds. But um, he's got the golden retriever spirit. He's just uh-huh. a sweet, sweet, sweet boy. And um, he's almost 15 now. I've had him since he was maybe three or four. Wow. And nice. Yeah, it's just, it's been kind of a really amazing journey because he, um, unfortunately, goldens tend to have know, issues with cancer. And about three and a half years ago, he was diagnosed with um, a blood cancer called hemangiosarcoma. But um, he's actually helped me learn. I do, I do some healing work and stuff and he's helped me learn some really cool holistic things and some, some energy work that I do. I've, I've applied it to him and they gave him three months and we're three and a half years later and he's, old age is going to get him because now we have a, have a little ramp on the outside of the airstream because he can't um, get up the steps. So I built a little doggy ramp to get him in and out and I have to help him with everything. But yeah, but he's yeah. So, so worth it. 15. I mean, and that's a miracle because you didn't expect him to, to make it there. If you could tell us a little bit about how you found him, that's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, it's, it was so cool. Um, I was a casting director for about 30 years for TV shows and commercials and stuff. And wow. I did rescue for, you know, 20 of those years because I just, I had to give back in some way and, you know, do something kind of meaningful because I loved my work, but it was, uh, you know, we were making TV commercials. Right. I kept saying, you know, it's not like we're curing cancer, y'all. We got to do something good in the world. So, uh, so I always, I always did a lot of um, transport and helped with different rescues and, you know, raised right. funds and all kinds of stuff. And I just, I had a bunch of clients in from LA and I, I don't know why I had Facebook open, but I I guess they were taking forever. They had, you know, like 30 roles to choose and I, you know, I glaze over then because I'm out of the process at that point. I'm just having to hang. Okay. So I see this little, I see this picture pop up in Facebook on one of my rescue sites that, you know, the Arlington shelter because it's up near Dallas, Fort Worth where I live. Oh yeah. And there was this face and I just looked at him and I, I trust my intuition extensively. Right. And I just looked at that face and went, uh oh, and I, I turned, and and I literally heard a little voice that said, "Go get him." 
And I was like, um, what? I, I, I always questioned that little voice. I was like, what? Um, what? I got clients in. They're like, go. So I just turned to my room full of clients and said, I have to go. And they're wow. like, wait, but we're working. I'm like, well, it's lunchtime and you're deciding and I'll be back in a couple hours. So I called this the lady that I did the transport for the most. And I said, look, Elise, if you'll tag him, I'll go pick him up at the shelter because I know he's adoptable. But they said it was noon and he was going to be put down at two. So he literally only had a couple of hours left because he's so shy and so sensitive that they couldn't put him out in adoptions. He just was cowering in the back of his cage. And he's like, still to this day, you can't raise your voice around him and you can't, you know, can't wave anything white around him. Somebody must've hit him with something white and he he won't, yeah, bless his heart. He won't fetch like he starts to, and then he cowers. It's just, I don't know what happened to him early on, but yeah. So I have to be super careful to be, you know, really quiet with him. But sure. I saw this face and I was like, that dog, he's great. But I thought I was just going to get him and take him to the rescue. But right. literally like so many things in my life, I touched him. Well, actually I got there and he wasn't in his kennel. Ooh. They were already walking him down the hall, which, oh my gosh. you know, you know what that means. And Doesn't so I grabbed him and was like, crazy. yeah, wow, that was horrible. So I grabbed him and, you know, made off with him. And, and the second I touched him, I, I knew that intuitive thing I do. I was like, oh. I apparently have another dog. And at that point I had, I had seven dogs no. and oh maybe gosh. four cats. And yeah, cause I did, I was such a foster failure and like, I just, they always came and went and I, you know, I would find these two dachshunds running onto the freeway, you know, and you're like, Oh God. No. So, you know, you'd throw like chicken bites out the window to get them away from the freeway, you know, and then I'd take them home for, so I think at that point I, I had a few that weren't planning on staying but they were still there so so I just thought you know what I don't need another dog but he was so magical and so Aww. sweet and and just immediately we locked eyes and I went okay you are you're my heart okay mm-hmm. all right I thought I already had my heart full but this is great <laughs> and and he was so happy with all the other dogs they immediately took to him like there was Aww. none of that like worry because I was always so careful you know to, to introduce and you know, you, you don't know be. with rescue dogs. Right. Yeah, you do. At least you're just asking for trouble if you don't. And I always had a, yeah. a kennel in the middle of the den that I brought the new dog into yeah. so he could be open and around all the rest of them because I had sort of an open concept house. And, okay. But I didn't even have to do that with him. He just came in and was so timid and sweet. And, and he's always been the barometer. Like he, he just loves every other dog unless they have crazy energy. If they're right. super like hyper energy, oh. that's when he'll like turn and snap at them. But it's okay. sort of like that mama dog thing where you sure. know, like chill. He's just yes. trying to settle them down. Yes. But yes. he has uh. just been a delight and like never, never a problem. Oh, I mean, wow. and I've had, <laughs> I've had a handful of behavioral issue because that's why I was a foster failure because some of them were so bad, like nobody else would take them. Oh gosh. I okay. Like, I was like, okay, I'll hang on. Like I had a great Pyrenees that was that way. And, Wow. That's a big dog too, to try to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh he was. And he, yeah, he, um, his name was Axel when I, when I got him and he quickly became rascal about 15 (laughs) minutes after he showed up because the woman, the woman for the rescue, she pulled up and she said, would you like to foster him? And she had only fostered him for like four days. And suddenly she had to move to California, supposedly. Well, she says, do you like him? I'm like, yeah, I'll try him. And she went out to the car and took off. She didn't leave me any of his stuff, his paperwork, his food. She just let, dumped the dog and left. Yeah. And I came back in, in the house and I realized why. 
he was the on, the tallest dog I'd ever had, and he could counter surf. And he ate eighty dollars <gasps> cash and thirteen no. banana skins and all off the counter because no. he had such separation anxiety. Oh yeah, my goodness, wow. Yeah, in like three minutes is all it took, and so I was like, in. okay, yeah, wow. second way. And so anytime you'd be nervous, he, he liked to eat toxins too. That was his favorite thing. So he would eat like mosquito dunks and Duraflame logs oh and a girlfriend. Yeah. A girlfriend from high school would come spend the night and he, she would bring cigarettes. And I'm like, we don't do that in this house, but she'd leave them outside. He would eat the cigarette packet. So ugh, it was always, but, and, and he had some aggression up front, but we worked through it. And by the, by the end of his life, he was, I mean, I'm a firm believer in how amazing training is because I learned I learned through him, you know, and, and through some good trainers, like really how to handle that and, mm. and how to not become alpha. Cause I don't, you know, that's a, a different train of thought, but to be, right. to help him feel yeah. safe, to Yo, be a leader. Sure, yeah. Sure. To help him know that I, I had his back yeah. and that he could trust me. And, and eventually it got to the point, like you couldn't, you couldn't touch him from behind or touch his paws or do all kinds of stuff. And he would whip around and come at you. Mm. And, the, and first, yeah, the first day I had him, he, came, he lunged at me snarling Ooh. and I was like, okay, you're a hundred pounds. We're not going to play that game. Right. And I don't condone this, but something in me made me kind of like flip him over. And I yeah. sat on him. Yeah. That was just what my intuition said to do. And right. I thought, yeah. And I thought, now what do I do? Like, how do we don't, uh, I've got to have to get up at some point. Like, how do I know it's cool <laughs> to get up? Yeah. And so I did, I, I, I'm a little bit of a strange one, but I, I do a little bit of animal communication. So I sort of sat there and like had a chat with him and I was like, dude, here's the deal. Like, we'll be, we'll be okay. If right. you, if you submit to me a little bit, like just sigh, maybe give me a kiss on the hand or something. Let me know we're cool. And he literally did like, yeah. you know, a couple of minutes later and I was like, okay. And he never did it again. Uh, like we were, we were buddies after that. And it took a while to work through the rest of it, but he, he was so worth it. Such a good boy. Oh my goodness. You're amazing, Shannon, to have seven dogs and four cats. You <laughs> 11 <laughs> yes. critters in a house. Little At one like- point. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that I, is crazy. I traveled all the time. Thank God that I had uh, a housekeeper and a, a house sitter yeah. that was good with all of them. But um, yeah, I, I just, I love animals. I mean, they're mm. so amazing and they just, I, I didn't get to have kids. So right. I had a bunch of furry kids. I, I, totally I wanted, understand. it's so funny. <laughs> I wanted the Waltons. I thought I would have a house full of, of two legged kids, but I ended up with a house full of three and four legged because I would always take the tripods too. Yeah. So, oh, so sweet. Yeah. So, so all those dogs, have they all passed on and you just have your They have, or? yeah. Aww. It's just down to Dylan. When I, I live in my Airstream now, which is my podcast that you mentioned earlier, it's called Adventures of the Airstream Oracle. And it's because I live in my Airstream and do that name. stuff. And um, it's fun. And when I got the Airstream, first off, I had the Great Pyrenees still and, and had just gotten Dylan. Wow. And I had a business partner that traveled with me. So it was all four of us. And my business partner was a big guy. He was like 6'3". Oh my and goodness. so it was it, 25 foot space. It was a little interesting for all four of us. Wow. Outside, but, um, That's what I was just going to it was great. How, how big? So yeah. it's 25 feet, your Airstream. So. It is. It's 25 feet and nice. it's an Eddie Bauer edition, which I've used for rescue, which is really cool. Because the back half, um, it does all this stuff. I've got a back hatch. And everything in the back half latches up to the side, like where the table and the, the kitchen area is. It can become like a place where you can stack rescue crates and stuff. So I've oh, done, nice. you know, rescue events that way, or I, I've used it as a mobile casting studio or, okay. you know, all kinds of stuff. Well, that's so amazing about Dylan, um, you know, and I don't know if you want to share any more, but yeah, people need to go hear the whole story. 
on your um, episode. And again, I will link to that in the, in the show notes. And Thank stuff. you. It's just Dylan and I now, but he's, I don't know that dog. There's something magical about him. And he has taught me, I mean, Rascal taught me patience. Like each dog brings their gift to you, Yes, which is amazing to me. Like I, I had, I had a Newfoundland chow mix who was just joy personified. Oh. Like that was just what he was. He woke up every morning and he taught me how to play because his little face, every morning I would wake up and he would plop his head right on the side of my bed and look me in the eye. And the second I would breathe differently, his tail would start thumping and he would look at me like, oh my God, oh my God, we woke up and we get to go play. Like, what can we do today, Bobby? And he was just delightful. And I raised him from a puppy with uh, another dog. She was about a year older and she was um, an Australian shepherd chow mix and her name was Sadie. And she looked like a wolf. She was just beautiful. But that was, I thought until Dylan, the most gentle dog I'd ever been around. She just was like Buddha. Like she was my here's how you be still. And Jake was like, here's how we play. And so they were, they were, I had them for 16 years. Like they went wow. everywhere with me. I had two Volkswagen campers back to back, little Volkswagen Eurovans. And they went everywhere with me and they were on all my casting jobs. Like they, Aww. they learned like camera meant lay down under the tripod when I was auditioning people. And so they were my greeters out in the lobby for my actors and they oh, would sweet. walk them all in. Yeah. And so I would have like two or three or four dogs with me at my studio. I, I mean, I, I'm the only casting director I knew in Dallas that had their own studio. And it was strictly so I could have my dogs with me okay. because I, I wanted them to be at work with me. If I was going to be working 12 to 16 hours a day, you know, and, yeah. and they did such therapy work. This, they, you know, kept people less afraid and they could touch them and they could ground them and everybody got more comfortable. And then, and that's one thing about Dylan too, which is amazing. He's just a natural therapy dog. He always wow. has been. He goes up like my, my, both my parents have been in and out of physical therapy rehab over the years. Cause they're, they're older and have some dimensions some different issues. And, um, every time we go to a new rehab, we make sure that they go to one where dogs are allowed mm. because Dylan has to go one, see them. And then he has to, he just pulls you to all the other rooms and he will instinctively go to the person who is like the most broken down, like in a wheelchair or on oxygen, not even there. And he'll stick his head up under their hand. And like, you'll just slowly see their little hand, just start to pet him. Just like start, you'll, you'll see a little bit of movement. And he just like this last time he did it, he leaned into the wheelchair and would not let me pull him away. He was like, Nope, mommy, I'm busy. I've got a sacred job and I'm doing it. And this person needs me. And, yeah. and that's just what he does. He just got that spirit. It's such so a amazing. Gift. And that's the thing. Dogs just don't, they aren't phony, as I always say. And then they, they yeah. know their gifts and they know what, why they're here on earth. And it, it's never been lost on me too, that dog is God backwards. Like okay. that, I love to watch the play on words. And that's, I mean, that's not even funny to me. It's perfect. Because what do they teach us? Like live in the moment, yes. be love, right. live, you know, find pure joy, be good to each other. If right. you're not good, you know, you get a, get a minute of time out. I mean, it's all this, it's, <laughs> They're just, they're just brilliant. And, and they make, I'm convinced that every dog I've ever had has made me a better person. I love yeah. my cats, but they, they, you're a better servant to a cat, <laughs> but a dog will make you, a dog will make you a better person for sure. Yeah. And, and I've always said, I want, I really want to be the person that Dylan thinks I am because the way they look at you sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know that I deserve, you know, that, that look of adoration. Like I'm, I'm going to try to to rise up to that sweet look that you give me every day. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. These are just wonderful words that you're speaking because you're speaking to my heart and everybody else that listens. We love dogs. We get this, we get what you're saying. And oh my gosh. Yeah. You're speaking such truth. Oh my goodness. I don't know if there's any other dogs that you want to give examples of that have touched your heart and you know, your soul over the years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is, there is one thing that I do want to educate people about a little bit that maybe is something they don't know if that's okay. It's, it's another, it's like a health thing that I, I didn't know about and, and I lost a rescue dog because of it. Oh, yeah. So I, I really, um, I had, I found this dog came up in my backyard cause I, I must've had a stamp on my back, you know, my, my back fence that says, Hey, I'm open for business. Come on in because I would just walk and dogs would come home with me. They would just Aww. show up or they'd be in my backyard. If there was a storm suddenly, you know, there's like four dogs from the neighborhood. Sometimes they'd have tags. Sometimes they wouldn't, you know, I'd end up just have, that's how I got so many. I was like the Pied Piper for, you know, wayward dogs. But this one dog showed up and I thought it was a sick cat out in the backyard. And I, I looked and I saw like this gold cat, but it stood up and I realized it was the head of a, of a giant Akita, this beautiful golden Akita. Wow. But he was so emaciated that you could see like every, every rib, all his bones, like everything. And wow. I, I grabbed him and immediately, you know, always take a dog that I find to the, to the vet right away to see if they have a chip or a tag and of course nothing. And he had heartworms so bad that, you know, they had to do, um, they had to do the arsenic shot right into the heart. They were like, he, he may not make it, but because so please give your doggies heartworm. That's so important because, you know, it's just a cheap preventative, but boy, if you don't do it, it is a really scary thing to put them through. And then you have to keep them still for you know, hundred thousand years while it yeah. takes effect. But, yes. but poor Gus, they, they had to give him the, the shot straight into his heart because it was so bad. And they're like, he may not make it, but he did, which was so cool. And wow. he, he made it and, and we fattened him up and he was so happy and uh-huh. everything was going great for like a year. We had the best time together. And then I didn't know about this. He was the first big dog I had. And this was the dog I had right before Rascal. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And Gus, one day we went to the dog park and he played and he ran and he had a great time and we came home and he drank a bunch of water and he ate lunch and then drank some more water and then started acting weird. And I didn't know about this at the time, but there's this thing called bloat that oh. dogs get yeah. if they're barrel chested and, and it, they don't even have to be really big. I'm finding out now they can be 35 pounds and up. And this is what happened to Gus. He started breathing weird and acting strange and hunched over and throwing up just water, but none of his food. And so I took him to the vet and the vet missed it. And so, <gasps> oh no, yeah. And, and so then later I had to take him to the emergency vet because I looked at him and he was literally expanding. And so I was like, okay, this is not right. And like I said earlier, I trust my intuition that I rely on it heavily for, you know, work and, and my life. And yeah, I was like, something is not right. So I took him, I took him to the vet and yeah, the emergency vet and it did not end well, but that's you know um, not to bring everybody down, but I do I do want people to be aware of of the fact that there's there's these little strips called gasex strips, those cymethicone strips, and if you keep those on hand, if you get a dog with bloat and you give them one of those strips, you put it in their mouth, it will actually take some of the the gassy expansion down enough wow. that it buys you some time to get them to the vet. Good so you know not uh-huh. not to be Debbie Downer, but that is actually a, a pretty cool tool to have in your doggy, you know, your doggy rescue yeah. or handy kit yeah. just to keep them healthy. Oh, wonderful. So. Yeah. Thank you for this. Like a PSA. 
But the cool thing is about Gus is I believe that your pets, when they pass on, just like people are angels, I believe that your pets are angels too. And I mean, Gus knew that I needed something big to love. And I had like a big bed and a big bowl and big bags of food and big everything for him. And like a day and a half or two days after he died, I literally heard that little whisper again of, you know, get online and just look. I bet there's somebody that needs you. And like the second dog I looked at, there was Rascal. Oh my God. He had that little great Pyrenees face and the, you know, half mask. He was comedy tragedy. And I was a, you know, a theater person and, oh my a, goodness. and a casting director. And I'm like, okay. So I think Gus sent Rascal to me yeah. to teach me patience and, you know, yeah. how to, how to learn to. Yeah. How to learn to just roll with the punches. I'm sorry you lost him, but yeah, what a what a gift he gave you that knowledge to share with other people too. You know, absolutely, so yeah, absolutely. Hard. And you lose them. You know, life life happens that way. But I we had an amazing time together, and that's a tricky thing with rescue. You have to learn to, you know, kind of let them flow through, like like anything else in life. You like you know you you have them for sometimes a season and sometimes just for a reason. I guess right. right. Thank you so much for sharing today. You're such a blessing and your message, you have such a wonderful message and, you know, experiences to share. So people definitely need to go listen to your podcast. Uh, thank you, sweetie. I appreciate you having me. It was really fun. To be honest, rescue always sounded a little scary to me, but the more people I speak with, the more it seems possible. I hope you have a great day and I hope you join me Wednesday Wednesday 